This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles, please, and let's turn to the book of Job. My goal is in two messages to conclude our study. At the same time, I don't want to speed this up, and you'll understand once we get into the text today, we need to hear the word of the Lord. There's a lot said in the book of Job that is not accurate. Now, it is an accurate record of what happened. But as Job suffers, three friends come, and they say a lot of things. And the Lord says later to those friends, you have spoken what is not right concerning me. And so as you study through their speeches to Job, if what they say can be supported elsewhere in Scripture, well, then obviously that is God's truth recognizing that the problem is they were saying it to the wrong guy. Job was not guilty of sin as they were trying to convince him that that was the case. And so we, we have this back and forth that goes on, and even Job says some things about God that are not accurate. However, when we get to chapter 38 and God begins to speak, every word is accurate. As I studied for the message and I looked at at what other Bible teachers say about chapters 38 through 42, they summarize and they quickly rush through these passages. And the Lord impressed on my heart, preacher, don't do that. Every question I ask at the end of this book is vital for my people to get the message of this book. If God had wanted to summarize, he could have summarized. He doesn't do that. And I feel I would do you a disservice, and I wouldn't be true to the scripture if we just flew through this and didn't really take time to see what God is saying to Job to help Job get the point. Now, I will confess to you, I think Job is one of the smartest guys in the Bible. And if Job needed this, guys who aren't so smart like me, I need it. And I need to just pull back the reins and really focus on what God is saying to Job. And so bear with me, I'm going to finish on time this morning, and if we have to come back, we have to come back. But I'm, I'm asking the Lord to help us understand what these questions that the Lord poses to Job, what they teach us about our God. Take some notes, take some notes in your Bible, on a sheet of paper. Uh, you are going to need this at some point in your future. You're going to need it. As I stand up here and I just look out at this church family, I see folks who have had a severe case of COVID in your back, but you still feel it. I look out and I see church family who have lost parents this year, loved ones. It hurts. 
And there are questions. I'm sure there are questions. Some of you have family members that are struggling severely spiritually. You have questions. They have questions. This passage, these these chapters that we're going to conclude with in this book, these chapters give us the answer if we care to listen. So our study in Job brings us to what Bible scholars call the theophany. Job's personal encounter with Almighty God. Commentator Elmer Schmick points out, That in this encounter, watch this quote here, God offers Job no theological explanation of the mystery of his suffering. The reader is told why Job was suffering in the prologue. Remember those early chapters, that contest? Job, Job says to God, or Satan says to God, if you allow me to do what I want with him, he'll curse you. That all happens, and we know about that. Job doesn't know about any of that. But that is to show that Job was innocent. Job was never told this. Had he been told, now listen carefully, the book would have immediately lost its message to all other sufferers. Had God told Job, the message is gone. God never told Job because what God is going to say to Job now in these final chapters, this is where it gets really rich and helpful. So this brings us to the ultimate question of the book. What is the message of Job to all human sufferers? God in his infinite wisdom of his secret counsels is too great to fail a human being. He's too great to fail you. And by the way, this is speaking about his own. This is especially addressing believers. So, he is too great to fail a human being regardless of his or her circumstances. The devil and nature can throw their very worst at a human soul, but God cannot fail in his purposes for that soul. No one will ever charge God with evil. You're not. Now, people say dumb things, but not accurate things, accusing God. Therefore, like what John Phillips said, human reasoning must ever bow before God's revelation of himself. What we're looking at is God revealing to you who he is. Job was very limited Except for his personal interaction with God. He didn't have a Bible to turn to every morning. You and I do. So human reasoning must bow before God's revelation of himself. So in this message, we need to see God's re- uh, see God revealing himself to Job in two speeches. We're going to look at the first one and begin to look at the first one today. The first speech powerfully illustrated God's dominion over what he created in nature. Remember, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows what? His handiwork. Now, it's, it's beyond just, wow, that's amazing. 
as the elephant runs through the... No, it's, it's beyond that. All of that nature is intended to teach you something about God. And then the second speech illustrated God's dominion over the moral order of everything in his universe. He creates, he, he controls nature, but when it comes to good versus evil, he controls that too. So let's examine God's first speech in Job 38 and 39. The title of this message, God Hear, or Job Hears God's First Speech. I'm going to give you an outline. You'll be able to follow this on the screen as we look at what the text actually says. Now understand with this first speech, God speaks out of a whirlwind meant to startle Job and get his attention. Twice we're told in these final chapters, God speaks out of a whirlwind. Now he didn't do that with Elijah. There was a whirlwind. I mean, rocks are shattering against the side of the mountain, and all that settles, and then with a still, small voice, God speaks to Elijah. But not here. It's out of that whirlwind, this storm, where the voice of God clearly speaks. And in the speech, God says, I am in control of natural creation. To put a mar- the markers on it is chapter 38, verse 1, through chapter 40, and verse 2. Now, in that section, God asks Job 55 questions. Now, you can count. Your, your count may be different because sometimes there's one question that's got two parts. So you can decide, is that two questions or one? I counted 55, somewhere between 55 and 60 questions in this first speech. Now, let's, let's be practical this morning. Did you ever have a time when you were maybe in trouble with mom or dad or some other authority? And they sat you down and they start asking questions. I had some of those experiences and I'm not going to share them with you this morning. I never had a time, though, where an authority, my mom or dad sat me down, and 55 questions later, they've made their point. God does that with Job. And you're going to see why those questions were important for the point. And so God is going to show himself to be creator, creator of the earth, of the sea, And of the night and the day. Look at chapter 38, beginning in verse 4. God says, I will demand of thee, answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Verse 4. Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures, the measurements thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Job, get out your tape measure. I thought this morning about bringing a big globe up here. My fear was I'd do something and knock it off, okay? These guys down here would have to catch it. But imagine with me, take a step back. These pictures we've seen from space shuttles and so Take a look at the earth. 
Job didn't have that benefit, but God was saying to him, and we, we have the benefit, it makes us stand in awe even more, right? Okay, Job, the measurements of it. Put a measuring line on it. Verse 6, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Foundations is the idea of footings. Aren't you glad that this earth isn't just bouncing around in this universe? Can you explain the footings that keep it right where it's at? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, that's a reference to angels. We know that from the first two chapters of this book. When all the sons of God shouted for joy. So imagine the angels are in the grandstand. God speaks and there it is. And the angels start cheering. Wow. Did, did you just see? Did you see that? So he is creator of the earth. Now notice he's creator of the sea. Verse 8. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it were issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud, that's the idea of the vapor, the fog. When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, I could stop right now and and you sailors could stand and talk about. There are some times out at sea that you look out and what do you see? You see fog and vapor. There's water and we can't see another thing. God is saying to Job, explain that. And thick darkness, a swaddling band for it, or I cover that water with thick darkness and break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said hitherto shalt thou come but no further and here shall thy uh, proud waves be stayed now I love the water this, this midwestern farm boy God, God allowed me to live right next to the coast the closest thing we had to it was the Michigan Ocean, okay? Uh, that was it. That is amazing out there. But it also, at times, seems like it is out of control. But it's not. In fact, there was a day where the Son of God was on a large body of water called the Sea of Galilee, and it was all churned up. And he stood up and said, peace be still. Go back to your boundaries. That's God. And so he is creator of the sea. Notice he is creator of the day and the night. Beginning in verse 12. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days? And the idea your days began. Have you had any control over day and night, Job? And caused the day spring, the dawn, to know his place. Right on schedule. There's the dawn. That it might take hold of the ends of the earth. That the wicked might be shaken out of it. Now that's interesting. Verse 13. God brings his light upon the earth. And what does that light do? It reveals the wickedness by that light. Yeah, men love darkness rather than light because they're 
Their deeds are evil, right? Well, God brings up his light and he exposes. That's what Job is saying. Verse 14. It is turned as day to the seal, and they stand as a garment. All right, now what is he saying in verse 14? Well, think about this. Here's the earth, and as it rotates, as it spins, God has all of this in order where the sun comes and it sheds light on that. And what does the light reveal? Well, in ancient times, a signet ring, they would take that signet ring, they would pour hot wax on something. You couldn't necessarily see what the impression on that signet ring was, but in that hot wax, he would take it and he'd roll it in that wax and lift it up, and you got to see the impression. And what it is saying is, all right, here's the globe, here's the face of it. There's darkness right now, but when God shines its light, what you get to see is his signet ring. And when the light shines on it, we all stand back and go, that's amazing. Wow, that's amazing. And by the way, what does the light also reveal? The features of a garment, the beauty of a garment. We got to see how, and this is something they've been doing for thousands of years over in the area we visited in Greece and Turkey. We got to see them make Persian, Turkish rugs and and the skill that goes into making those rugs. Those things were laying on floors back in Paul's day and before. But you know, if it's dark, you can't see that intrinsic beauty. When the light is shown on it, you can see the beauty. And oh, by the way, depending on how the light shines, it has different features to the beauty. All right, so he is the Lord of day and night. And from the wicked, verse 15, their light is withholden, and the high arm shall be broken. God's light exposes their, what they think is light. And he breaks the arms of those in their sin who lift their arms up against him. And God uses his light uh, to do that. So God is the creator. Pause. How do you feel right now? In light of what God has shown us about what he did, just through these questions, how big do you feel right now? I'm a speck on a speck, and I don't even understand a lot of that. All right, so that's God. Let's move on to the second one, and then we'll have to finish for today. Not only is God, is God creator of all of these things, but more specifically, God rules animal nature. All right? God rules in uh, animal nature. Okay. So what does this mean? Well, let's go on, verse 16 now. And this is where it gets fun. Young people, animals are amazing, right? They really are. But God begins to ask Job questions about the animals that Job has seen. Beginning verse, uh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping, I'm jumping ahead. Inanimate nature. All right, so what is not living? Let's, let's stay with the, the sequence here. 
All right, God rules first the depths and expanses. Look at chapter 16. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in uh, the search of the depths? The springs there is a reference to the sources of the waters in our vast bodies of water. What's the source of all that? Now we get a little bit of a picture of how powerful all that is because when God flooded the earth in Noah's day, he opened up those depths. And it flooded the earth 40 feet above the highest mountain. But today... That all, most of it is so deep, we, we can't even see. Now, we can get some places where we see these springs bubbling up this water under the ocean floor. But again, inanimate nature, all right? Where, what's the source of the water? Verse 17, have the gates of death been opened unto thee, or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Death is a reality for all of us, right? Where's death come from? Well, we know theologically it's the result of sin. But honestly, can you explain death? Do you really understand its source? Do you understand how it works? Where's it come from? Job couldn't explain it. You and I can't explain it. Except we know it's part of our future if the Lord tarries. So another inanimate uh, area, verse 18. Hast thou pierced, or I'm sorry, perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. Now, the breadth of the earth, we can measure that today, can't we? We know how many miles. We can do all that. We know it now. But do we really understand it? And by the way, have we seen it all? Do you realize how much of the earth has never had a human foot on it? So we have measurements. We, we know certain things. God sees it all. So the depths and expanses. How about the light and the darkness? 39 verse 19. Where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Can you answer that? God was expecting an answer from Job. Verse 20, that thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. Knowest thou it, because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? So God rules the light and the darkness, the depths, the expanses. Verse 38 or or verses 22 to 30 of chapter 38. Now this is something that we smile about because we get upset with the weatherman. We need to give him a break. He's trying, but the point here is he doesn't know. Look at verse 22. Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? Do you know what the word treasure there is? The storehouses, the treasuries. Now I've shoveled a lot of snow. I've never seen the storehouse. How about the hail? 
That's pretty amazing, right? When God opens the storehouses and that stuff starts falling, can you explain it? No. What we try to do is just get out from under it. Let's go on. Verse 23. Which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. All right, now let's pause for a moment. Do we see times in the scripture where God used the snow or the hail to defeat armies? It wasn't a coincidence. We see times in Old Testament Israel where armies are fleeing from the Israelites and God opens the storehouses and he starts dumping hailstones on them. And more are killed through the hailstones than whatever an Israeli soldier could do to them. Can you control that? Your God can. And we can look back how many times have major armies gone up and tried to invade and defeat Russia and God sent winter. The snow prevented massive armies from conquering. Not because he favored Russia, but his plan was going to be done. That's the point. He controls the weather. Let's read on. By what way is the light parted? Can you explain how it's diffused, dispensed, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Verse 25, who hath divided a water course for the overflowing of rivers or a way for the lightning to thunder? Who directs the rain and the storms? Now, living in the upper Midwest, we dealt with tornadoes. We dealt with thunderstorms. We didn't have hurricanes. There is nothing like a Midwestern thunderstorm when, when that begins to, to, when that lightning comes. I mean, it is brilliant to watch, but you don't want to be under a tree. Well, who's in control of all that? How can we explain where that lightning is going to hit and what happens with it, God? And we could go on. I'll let you read verses 31 to 33. I'll let you read verses 34 to 38. But in verses 31 to 33, the constellations are given, some of them. Who put those patterns in the sky and how do they stay in the sky? It's God. And what about the floods? How is it that there was a day where they hadn't even seen rain and God flooded the whole earth and then God put a rainbow in the sky and he made this promise, I'll never flood the earth again. Now we've seen flooding, but it's never been universal flooding. Why? God. So he is creator of all and he rules inanimate nature. Now I'm going to take us to the end of this. I'm going to just share some closing thoughts and then we're going to come back and we're going to see next time how God rules animal nature. Do you understand why I'm taking time to read these verses so that we can see how God continues to emphasize to Job, I'm this big, I'm infinitely big, and you're pretty tiny. And the point, folks, is this, Job, If I control all of this, you don't have any reason to question that I'm controlling everything that happens concerning you. 
in most churches, and it's true in this church, there are older believers, there are younger believers who have quit on God. Because God did something that they don't understand, they don't like it, and so they've decided, I'm done with you, God. Job was there. What's the point? Start looking around. Just at what you can see. And how God controls all that you can see. And by the way, He does it every day. And as far as we know, human history, He's been doing it for just over 6,000 years on this planet. He continues to feed all the critters. He continues to guide all the weather. Sun comes up, sun goes down, you look up, big dipper, little dipper. Who controls all that? It's not evolutionary. That's nonsense. And frankly, it offends God and and it ought to offend us. All that points to there is a God who is so great that he cannot fail and he is not going to fail you. Now, how do we know it? Because he has committed himself to you. He had committed himself to Job. But now we have the record of Scripture to show us how God has committed himself to us. His mercy, his grace. Let me close with this illustration. In Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah is watching the decline of, I mean, he is going to witness Babylon coming in and destroying what's left in Israel. It's going to be gone. Jeremiah has tried to warn them and warn them. They've ignored it. And besides the fact that that the nation is going to cease to exist at least for 70 years, here's what God says to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Who controls the end? Whose expectations will be fulfilled in the end? Whose? God. And so uh, Jeremiah, who has suffered so much, and people won't listen, and the nation is, is going to go into captivity. He is going, Jeremiah is going to watch a bloodbath happen. And by the way, he's going to watch it happen. He's in the safest place in Jerusalem. They've thrown him in jail. And then God promised beyond this 70 years of captivity. And Jeremiah could just say, All right, I'm done. I'm done. This is over. The circumstances are bad. This makes no sense to me. And then God speaks. I know the thoughts that I have toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. I'm going to see this through. So, did God fulfill his plan for Israel, yes or no? Speak to me, come on. Yes. Did God fulfill his plan for a guy named Job? Yes or no? Does he have a plan for you? 
He certainly does. Is there anything to limit him from fulfilling that plan? Now that was a trick question. There's nothing limiting his power. The only thing that stands in the way is inside of you and me. And so God is saying, listen, listen, Job, you don't need explanations. And in fact, I'm not going to give them to you. You need to trust me. And we're going to see at the end of this, this first speech, you know what Job, Job does? What we need to do. Job says, all right, God, I'm going to take my hand, I'm going to put it over my mouth, and I'm going to be quiet. And then he repents. He repents of his pride. He said, Lord, I spoke things I didn't know what I was saying. If you're struggling today, you know what God's answer to you is? Put your hand on your mouth. And then just humbly acknowledge, Lord, my questioning you isn't right. I have no reason to question you. I can trust you. And my plea to you today, trust him. Please trust him. Father, we haven't had the time this morning that we wanted to be able to finish the examination of this first speech. But thank you for the questions that you asked Job and oh how they penetrate our hearts to help us see our smallness in light of your greatness. And Father, we just need to be honest about ourselves that there is so much we don't understand. But we live in a world that is orderly and powerfully maintained by the word of your power. We really don't have any reason to question you. Now Lord, some are going to struggle because they're not following your word. And if they're tolerating sin, there's going to be chastening. That didn't apply to Job, but it may apply to them. Would you help those who are in that situation this morning to repent of their sin before you, to be right with you, and then to cling to your grace, knowing that you can fix, repair, renew whatever has happened in the past. Lord, restore them. You're able to do all that. We just need to bring our lives into harmony with what you say in your word and be right with you. So, Father, I pray that you'll help Christians that, that may be in sin to do that today. Repent. Make that right. And then, Lord, if, if we're facing difficult circumstances and we can feel our hearts rising up against you, Lord, would you use the truth we've seen today to cause us to stop, put a hand over our mouth, and just humbly acknowledge your greatness. And then, Lord, if there's anyone here not saved today, Lord, they don't know the God who controls the universe and who is giving them life. Help them to repent of their sin to come to you for salvation today. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. 
If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.